Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Canada Beef President Michael Young. And up first in today's country comment, David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture will talk about white mold in edible beans. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 90 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture was a guest speaker last week at the Edible Bean meetings held in Altona and Portage. He talked about the most common diseases that are found in edible beans. I think it's always going to be white mold, which is sclerotinia. It's a disease that has a very broad host range, so it can affect so many crops and leave behind resting structures which can ultimately infect your crop from across the road. It doesn't have to be within that field. Um, it's a wetter season disease though, and we haven't seen it for three years, which leads to a lot of people wondering, will we see it again? What are you expecting for this upcoming year? Well, uh, last year we had a wet fall and uh, there are opportunities for sclerotinia to multiply in a field in those conditions, even if it didn't cause disease that resulted in yield loss. And uh, so we had the conditions last fall, which set up for leaving behind a lot of the resting bodies. And if it's wet in the spring, uh, then we can ultimately be at risk from white mold again. And what are some management strategies? Well, it's uh, complex. Um, rotation isn't going to be useful because of the number of crops that are susceptible. But awareness of where the resting bodies have left behind, in which fields, because that's ultimately going to be where the spores are blowing in from. Um, those resting bodies might be in a wheat crop. Uh, and it's those crops that have the first canopy closure that produce the apothecia that release the spores. So we might be looking in some places uh, close to the crop that we're concerned about protecting uh, for the first sign of apothecia. Once they're out and we know that spores are blowing around the neighborhood, then we have to be ready with fungicides. And that's really a key component in managing white mold. And for fungicides, what are some of the options there or some of the keys? I shouldn't uh, name specific products. There's getting to be a long list, which uh, is more than half a dozen. And uh, most of those are now a mix of two different products. It's a resistance management strategy. There are a few that uh, just have a single mode of action. And if that's the case, you should check that mode of action and be sure whether it's one that has a high risk of resistance development or not, because we may need to use two fungicide applications, especially in the bean crop. Um, we don't want to be using the same mode of action twice or consecutively if it's a single mode of action. You also talked a bit about uh, biologicals. Uh, how does that play in? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there is a biological which is developed from uh, a known soil mycoparasite that's um, contans and the way it works is to break down the resting bodies in the soil in the absence of a crop but it needs time to do that so it has to be applied a year in advance of when you're going to be growing a susceptible crop uh, sometimes that is not uh, 
an easy decision to spend money that far in advance of the crop that you're wanting to protect. But knowing you have an issue, say you had head rot in sunflowers two years ago, you know that left behind a lot of sclerotia. That might be an ideal situation for using that uh, biological product. That was David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture talking about white mold in edible beans. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The Manitoba government is launching a three-year project to help reduce economic loss from wildlife predation of cattle and sheep herds. Egg Minister Blaine Peterson says more than 2,000 commercial animals are lost each year. The Manitoba government will provide a grant up to $300,000 over three years. The governments of Canada and Manitoba currently provide compensation to affected producers through the Wildlife Damage Compensation Program up to a maximum of $3,000 per animal. The program has paid producers an average of more than $1.8 million annually in compensation in recent years. Australia has become a competitor for Canadian beef producers. Michael Young is president of Canada Beef. Traditionally, it's been just the Americans that we competed against, but since BSE, uh, the Australian uh, sector has moved into the grain-fed category, and they've since... uh, fully developed it. So we run into them everywhere. Uh, they put a good product in the box. You know, we, we need to compete against it. It's, there's nothing wrong with it for sure. But there are attributes, sort of emotional and functional attributes that are associated with Canadian beef that are appealing to some of the markets that we're in. Young spoke last week in Brandon at Manitoba Beef Producers Annual Meeting. Edible bean growers attended informational meetings in Altona and Portage last week. David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture talked about the biggest disease threat in edible beans. I think it's always going to be white mold, which is sclerotinia. It's a disease that has a very broad host range, so it can affect so many crops and leave behind resting structures, which can ultimately infect your crop from across the road. It doesn't have to be within that field. It's a wetter season disease, though, and we haven't seen it for three years, which leads to a lot of People wondering, will we see it again? Kaminsky says the wet fall in 2019 could increase the risk of white mold in dry beans this year. And tomorrow marks the fourth annual Canada's Agriculture Day. Federal Ag Minister Marie-Claude Bebo will be celebrating the day in Ottawa, where she will provide remarks at the national event. With over 200,000 farms across the country and countless small and medium-sized businesses, Agriculture is at the heart of our communities. It's key to our rural vitality. On Canada's Agriculture Day, we celebrate our farmers and food producers. Canadians can be so proud of the amazing men and women across the country who have stories of resilience and innovation. This year's celebration focuses on strengthening the relationship between consumers and producers. Hundreds of events are planned across the country. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, February 10th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the president of Canada Beef. Canada Beef President Michael Young was a guest speaker last week at Manitoba Beef Producers Annual Meeting. Golden West reporter Barry Lamb chatted with Michael after his presentation. 
Canada Beef is uh, is a non-profit organization. We're funded through the National Checkoff Agency um, by through Checkoff, which we also leverage against um, some funding from the uh, federal government for export market development. Our mandate is both domestic and export market development, and we have five offices. How's Canada doing right now in reaching that marketplace and, and growing it? Good. Uh, exports are increasing every year. Uh, Brenna will talk uh, a little bit later about improvements, but we, we saw an 11% increase in exports last year and a 19% increase in value. So exports are definitely growing. Uh, the demand is strong and uh, the product, of course, is very high quality. We've always known that, but the rest of the world is discovering just how good Canadian beef is. You touched on the competitiveness. How tough is it to, to maintain and to grow the markets? So um, because of our size, so um, and specifically we produce a grain-fed product, so we compete primarily against the Americans and the Australians. Um, traditionally, it's been just the Americans that we competed against, but since BSE, uh, the Australian uh, sector has moved into the grain-fed category, and they've since uh, fully developed it. So we run into them everywhere. Uh, they put a good product in the box, um, and uh, it's... Uh, you know, we, we need to compete against it. It's, there's nothing wrong with it, for sure. But there are attributes, both socially, um, sort of emotional and functional attributes that are associated with uh, Canadian beef that are appealing to some of the markets that we're in. And those are the people we want to work with. Portion of your presentation also touched on uh, some new programs and services. Yes, we've, um, we've been successful in getting uh, partnership funding to, to service a number of areas that uh, we didn't have before. Uh, which will promote uh, the development of premium brands in the export marketplace, so cost-funding programs um, that would cover a a wide range of of marketing needs to help them be more competitive. And near the end, you you touched on China as well and the situation over there. What are implications over the next, I think you termed, five to seven years? Well, for us, for anybody who has access, so um, uh, the opportunity will be there. Uh, right now, every number is through the roof on, on their imports of everything. So they're, um, they're importing pork from all over the world. Uh, they're importing beef from all over the world. I showed you that slide on all the countries that are stepping up. You know, again, we, we sell a very specialized product to a very specialized exclusive market. So uh, we will do our best to, to, to um, provide and be a supply partner, uh, knowing that um, the demand is going to be there. So, And it will it'll affect... It'll affect the business for quite a few years. And that was because of uh, swine fever primarily? Yeah. Uh, so African swine fever, it's a, it's a, it's a bad, it's, it's, the wor- it's the worst, single worst swine-related disease there is. And it's going to decimate. It has decimated. They're, the numbers are hazy out of China, but um, most of the experts agree that uh, they've lost over half of their herd which is phenomenal. The numbers are unbelievable. That leaves a huge gap. I think I showed that to you. It was a 32 million metric tons gap. So, uh, and that gap will be uh, filled with uh, protein from other markets. And uh, recovery for China, the experts are saying five to seven years. And if things go really well, they may recover to 70% of where they were, if possible, which is a wide open opportunity for us. That was Canada Beef President Michael Young chatting with Golden West reporter Barry Lamb.
Tomorrow marks the fourth annual Canada's Agriculture Day. Glendalee Allen Vossler talks with Farm Credit Canada's Director of Industry Relations, Marty Seymour. Yeah, Canada's Agriculture Day was born four years ago. Uh, we've had them across the country over the, I don't know, decades. But uh, four years ago, we formalized it and said, hey, February 11th is a great day to celebrate Canadian agriculture. And the people from the farming level all the way through the food processing, there's some good stories to share in our industry. And so we encourage the industry to stand up, speak proud on February 11th and tell our story. So there will be events across the Canada. I think at last count, we have well over 100 different activities uh, taking place in various communities uh, with an with a anchor event in Ottawa under a conference uh, it's talking about the future of food. But most importantly, it's a social media day where uh, we just want the industry to stand proud, tell our story and celebrate Canadian food. Over the last number of years, we've really seen consumers showing more of an interest in where their food comes from. Yeah, I, I use the term food curious. I think we're in an era where people are just generally curious about their food. And, uh, and that goes right down to I want to know the people behind it, to I want to know what's in it. And, uh, and that creates noise and complexity. So for me, around Ag Day, I want to try to drive the noise out of this conversation, say at its core, if you eat Canadian food, you should feel proud. Canadian food is safe and healthy, and if it's in the store and says made in this country, I think you should have a sense of pride as a consumer, and certainly as an industry, we're proud of what we do. I don't think we have to tell anybody that. You also talk about the fact that a lot of the food we eat comes from the area we live in. You know, I have a, I have a good fortune in the job that I do with industry relations for FCC. I travel the coast to coast, and uh, from Abbotsford, B.C., to where we grow local produce, to uh, Western Canada, where we're anchored in the beef industry and the pulse industry, uh, you don't have to look very far to find Canadian food. I, mean, I, I think a modern grocery store today, you're going to see fruits and vegetables come from outside this country. But if it's if it's in the, in the starch aisle or in the quality protein aisle, I, as a Canadian, I think we've got a lot to celebrate. A recent survey by the Canadian Centre for Food Integrity shows that three in five Canadians have an interest in learning more about agriculture and modern farming practices. Yeah, I think this curiosity consumers have to learn about agriculture is a great building block for us. Um, So it's pretty rare to have a recipient of messages that's so curious. So if a consumer is interested in understanding the food story, where it comes from, uh, I think it's a great launch pad for us. So on February 11th, we're encouraging people to get out and tell their story. Do it on social media. Tell someone at the rink. Um, It doesn't matter where you go. People generally have an interest in food. I also think uh, in the West, we often believe that uh, farms are you know, five miles away from our back door or people in an agriculture community understand agriculture. But the research would say that uh, it doesn't matter what size of market you live in, whether it's Rolo, Saskatchewan or Brandon, Manitoba, there's no guarantee that in your community you have a general understanding of the food story. So my challenge to all of us in agri-food from the farm level through the processing is don't take for granted that people understand what you do, um, but tell their story because I've learned it's our passion is the anchor to what makes clean agriculture uh, strong. And we got to share that passion. Marty Seymour is Director of Industry and Stakeholder Relations with Farm Credit Canada. Canada's Agriculture Day is February the 11th. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to the farm desk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, 
I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Crop Connect Conference takes place this week, Wednesday and Thursday at Winnipeg's Victoria Inn. This will include general meetings for all eight participating crop organizations. February 20th is Steinbach Crop Day taking place at the Pat Porter Active Living Centre. Admission is $10 and Marmac Farms will be hosting a bull sale March 11th starting at 1.30. Go to marmacfarms.net for more information. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Coming up in the next half hour, we'll tell you about a research project that's looking at cover crops. We'll also have another look at our farm news for today. Right now, it's 1 o'clock. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, University of Manitoba Master's student Virginia Jansen was a guest speaker last week at the Edible Bean meetings held in Altona and Portage. She talked about a research project involving cover crops. So I'm working on small plot um, egg research. I'm working on a cover crop project looking at uh, fall establishment of cover crops and spring termination of cover crops. So our lab is conducting a cover crop survey across the Canadian prairies and so we're looking for producers who have used cover crops uh, particularly in 2019 and uh, there's an online survey to answer some questions. Talk a little bit more about cover crops and, and how that works exactly. Uh, so cover crops um, is a crop seeded to cover the soil uh, between the, in my particular project, it's to cover the soil between the fall uh, harvest of an annual cash crop and then the spring planting of another annual um, cash crop. What are the most common crops that are used for this? Uh, so I am looking at uh, cereal rye as a big part of my experiment, but then I'm also looking at uh, eight different other cover crop species, seeing what the growth is like in the fall. So that's faba bean, peas, rye, oats, um, sorghum, radish, and soybean. Talk a bit about what's what's the plan here going forward. Uh, when, when do you hope to complete this? Uh, so I have a second field season uh, to complete, and then I'll be... Compa- uh, using all of that, analyzing all of that data together. If uh, producers want to input data, uh, where can they go to find out more? Oh, uh, we have, um, my advisor, Dr. Yvonne Lawley, has a Twitter page. That was Virginia Jansen, a master's student at the University of Manitoba. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Altona and Portage hosted meetings for edible bean growers last week. David Kaminsky with the province talked about the risk of white mold appearing this year. Last year we had a wet fall. There are opportunities for sclerotinia to multiply in a field in those conditions, even if it didn't cause disease that resulted in yield loss. So we had the conditions last fall, which set up for leaving behind a lot of the resting bodies. And if it's wet in the spring, then we can ultimately be at risk from white mold again. Kaminsky says the last three years have been relatively free of white mold in dry beans. This past Saturday was Food Freedom Day. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture calculated that by February 8th, a Canadian household of average income will have earned enough to pay their entire year's grocery bill. Canadians spent 10.9% of their disposable income on food in 2019, which is slightly lower than the 11% of disposable income spent on food in 2018. 
The domestic market is the biggest and most important market for Canadian beef. That from Canada Beef President Michael Young. He talked about competition coming from plant-based alternatives. It's really not new. I mean, obviously this is here to stay, this, this version of it. It's here to stay, uh, but there's been vegetarian options and, and I, think, I think it fills a niche. You know, but as I said, it hasn't affected uh, consumption, for, at least over the last eight years at all. Perhaps it will, perhaps it won't. We'll see. You know, we consider it as a, a competitor, and, and we're going to compete in Canada as we do in the export marketplace to, to earn the share. Young spoke last week in Brandon at Manitoba Beef Producers' annual meeting. And at that meeting, Manitoba Beef Producers named its new executive. Diane Riding of District 9 was named president. Tyler Fulton of District 7 is first vice president, while Mike Duguid of District 10 was named second vice president. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.